0: Sedano, you know there's no better way to start your Saturday than when my guy, Dr. Clapper, and the Weekend Warrior Show, 7 to 9 a.m. Saturday mornings. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. It's time for clapper killies start your weekend off right listening to the weekend warrior show with dr clapper where has this been my whole life
1: every saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m on espn 710, home of your los angeles lakers
0: welcome back weekend warriors i'm so excited to talk to and share the thoughts of the great dr paula bernstein with all of you paula thanks so much for waking up early to be with us Oh, I always wake up this early. It's really nice to talk to you, Robbie. Oh, How are I just you? love it. I want to play a soundbite for you from the author Michael Crichton, who went to medical school at Harvard and realized that there was more fertility in subject matter of medicine that he could write about than the joy of treating patients. So listen to this soundbite.
1: You know, but when you think about it, why do they want the time? What what does the time mean? They want time, they want to talk, they want to have some... I think that's that's a kind of healing that can occur, of verbal communication. More and more, medical school became simply material for the thrillers he'd begun writing, as his insistent questioning at Harvard made him a rebel and a pariah. I was becoming accustomed by my third year to often eating meals in the cafeteria alone.
0: Michael Crichton, talking about patients just want to talk. I don't want to talk to anybody. I just want to <laughs> write stories about it. But to connect the fertility of medicine, you practiced OBGYN for how many years? And to be able to tap into that as subject matter is is just awesome. Teach us a little bit about, Paul, the journey to go from practicing OBGYN to then becoming a writer?
1: Um, Well, first of all, I have to say that I don't quite agree with Michael Crichton. (laughs) I've loved practice. Um, You know, medicine is intellectually stimulating. It's scientifically creative. And you can make such a difference in people's lives. It's it's a very emotionally satisfying profession, mm. even with the late nights and the insurance companies. <laughs> so I don't regret one moment of my practice, and I really missed it after I retired. Um, but my writing journey started very early. I wrote my first novel when I was 11. Mm. It was uh, 50 pages long. Um, handwritten, and it was called Scarlet Vermilion and Lavender Rose. It was inspired by the fact that I was reading my mother's Gone with the Wind. Uh. In fact, I got into great trouble in the fifth grade because <laughs> my teacher caught me reading it inside my social studies book. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow. So yeah, so I've always loved to write, and you know, I've I've kind of written on and off. Um, medical school and residency were not a, a time of my life when I had time to do anything with my spare time but sleep and occasionally have a meal. But um, once I began practice, I started taking writing classes again at UCLA Extension because they have a wonderful writer's program. And by the time I retired, I had a bunch of first drafts sitting in my file cabinet um, You know, being a serious writer requires um, having a good editor and um, having the time to rewrite and to explore the options of publishing, which, you know, with a full-time practice and uh, a husband and a young child I really didn't have. But once I retired, I really turned back to that and and decided this was something I wanted to spend time with. Hmm. And um, so I invented Hannah Klein, who's been my heroine through um, eight books now. And she's an OBGYN who practices at a prestigious private hospital, which shall be unnamed, um, in Los Angeles. (laughs) Um, And uh, unfortunately, people in her orbit have a bad habit of getting murdered.
0: So, so are you like sleeping in the, and in two in the morning you're sound asleep and all of a sudden your eyes open, you go, oh my God, I got a great idea. I should do this, this, and this. I mean, is it is it an obsession now that you think about this 24-7? <laughs>
1: well, I don't think about it 24-7, but it's interesting that you touched on the whole idea of the unconscious because if I go to sleep thinking, okay, what should happen in this next chapter? I will often wake up with it. In fact, I have a confession to make, which is that's how I um, did large sections of my Ph.D. thesis many years ago. You know, mm. I would kind of go to sleep trying with an equation on my mind, and I would wake up with the solution. And if I wrote it down fast enough, I wouldn't mm. forget. So the subconscious is very powerful. And, um, yeah, I often dream my good ideas or, you know, wake up with them. Writers have different ways of um, creating. Um, in the mystery world, we call it um, outliners versus pan- pantsers, hmm. meaning you kind of go by the seat of your pants. And many people who write mysteries will know the whole plot from the beginning. They'll have it carefully outlined, like, you know, writing a scientific paper. And I prefer to let my right brain do the job hmm. Um, I start out well. I start out knowing um, who got killed, hmm. and I have a whole cast of recurring characters in my series. I've I've now written eight books, and I'm working on the ninth. Um, so, I, you know, and I know all about their backgrounds and stuff. I mean, it's like they're alive. Um, wow! But so I I know who gets killed, and there are several things that I try to do with each book. Hmm. Um, I obviously I have a Who Done It, and those are in in a way standalone mysteries. But then I have characters whose relationships and whose lives um, I follow. For example, Hannah started out in book one as a young widow with a precocious four year old, and um, in the course of the first mis- murder to be solved, she meets this very hunky LAPD detective and. They start a relationship, which evolves over the course of uh, the next many books. And a lot of my readers are as interested in what's going to happen to Hannah and Daniel as they are in the mystery. <laughs> and then the other thing I love to do, and and this has something to do with medicine as well, is I like to introduce my readers to things that I find fascinating um, and that I like to kind of educate people about <laughs> So often there are things about medicine, like one of my books talked about immune therapy for cancer, and, mm. you know, in language that anyone who doesn't have a scientific background necessarily could understand. Mm. Um, uh, you know, another of my novels talks about the world of high-tech infertility and some of the major ethical issues that are unsolved with that, mm. Um and then I'm an astronomy junkie, so I killed off an astronomy professor who had just gotten the Nobel Prize, and then I taught my readers about the search for extrasolar planets. So, you know, I know, I sort of know what my world is going to be, what education part I'm going to put in my book, mm. but I go, I just investigate as the murder happens. I make up new characters as I need them. And from chapter to chapter, I just kind of say, okay, what would Hannah and Daniel do next? And eventually, about half to two thirds of the way in, I figure out which of my many suspects has, is the killer and why. Do and you have a favorite? That way. Do
0: you have a favorite mystery? Someone that inspired you? I mean, I just love Rex Stout and Nero Wolf because Archie Goodwin is actually telling you the story, uh, not I, here. Do you have a favorite? murder mystery that really is the gold, the ultimate that you think about as a, as a, as a role model.